You're listening to The Cannabis Hangout, two girls, one bowl, and a podcast that is breaking the stigma of marijuana. My name is Brandon. And my name is Saba. We will be connecting with a community of cannabis enthusiasts by educating people, sharing stories from medical marijuana patients, and interviewing industry leaders while debunking cannabis myths. So we invite you to come roll with us while while we we break break it all down. Hey guys, welcome to the Cannabis Hangout. Today we are going to be doing one of our Cannabis Conversation series. Today we also have a special guest on our podcast all the way from Canada. She is a cannabis enthusiast. She also co-founded Woman Who Weed Community. She also believes that weed is the new wine. So guys, please welcome Miss Reagan Bradley to the Cannabis Hangout. Hello, Reagan. Hello, it's nice to meet you ladies. Nice to I've been meet watching you. you growth on social media. You ladies are killing it. Oh, thank you. Thank we are trying you. out here. <laughs> That's what we're all like here doing though, right? I trying know. To get a voice for women in the cannabis industry. Yes, absolutely. So Reagan, tell us a little bit about you and um, where your cannabis journey started. Yeah, absolutely. So I left university and I got my quote unquote dream job working at an advertising agency. And I was working and I realized pretty quickly that I didn't want to give my soul over to the job that I had. I wanted to find something that aligned with my passions and somewhere where I could be working towards my own goals instead of helping someone else achieve theirs. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So I, I started taking on side projects and started doing personal branding. And I realized really the importance of being authentic and being who you are. Because when you kind of put yourself out there on social media or in your career and just in life, people really appreciate the person instead of this facade that you try to be. Yes. And so with that insight and cannabis obviously being legalized across Canada, I was like, you know, fuck it. I've been smoking weed for a really long time and I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there. Well, I know for a fact yeah. there's a lot of people out there doing the same thing. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put in a towel and just tell people that I use cannabis. And it all started really with one social media post and it all kind of grown from there. I love that. So was it a post on like your own personal account, like before you were doing like the branding and stuff? Um, yeah. So I had been doing branding for entrepreneurs and that's kind of how I was branding myself. Like, oh, I'm going to help you build your brand. I'm a social media expert, right? Mm -hmm. But there was really nothing unique that differentiated me from other people that were talking about social media and marketing. It's because a lot of those people aren't really showing the person. The the personality, like you behind everything, what you offer. Totally. So I just decided like, okay, well, cannabis is a big part of my life and has really helped me become who I am. Mm -hmm. So although I'm going to still talk about marketing stuff, I'm also going to start talking about weed a bit. And so I, whenever I, whenever um, somebody wants to make a change on their social media profiles, I recommend always, you know, letting your audience know. So a lot of people struggle if they've had like an account all throughout university and there's photos of them partying and then suddenly they decide they want to be, um, a business person and they want to use their social media as a tool for business. Usually I just recommend, Hey, like make a post and tell people that you're changing things. And if people want to stick around, they can. And if they want to leave, then you don't want them following you anyway. That's so honestly, I kind of did that with cannabis. That's really cool perspective to have. I feel like not many people 
do that. They kind of brush it under the rug. But I love that you're so open and honest about it because it's really good perspective because that's what Mm -hmm. people are. I mean, they're getting a perception of you. So that's really good perspective to have and to give other people. Yeah, to be true to yourself. Yeah. So how did you guys just come out of the cannabis closet? So in a similar way, I'm interested to hear. Well, so I've kind of been smoking for like 10 years, but um, it, most of my friends, the reason I started smoking was because most of my friends already did. Um, but it really was more so in the last year. So I started working yeah. at a dispensary um, on April 14th, no, April 17th of last year. So my one year is coming up. And that's when I really along with being educated on it was when I became more open about it. So I would say after like the first three months, my family didn't even know I was working at a dispensary. I told my mom the first month, my sister didn't find out until about four months ago. And then my dad found out three months in. Um, and my brother, I mean, just kind of found out somewhere along the way, but, um, my, I mean, my sister told me not to take the job. She was like, corporate companies are going to look at you so horribly, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm going to do it. Like, I think this is going to be right up my alley. I, I mean, weed brings benefits to my life. So what, you know, what's the worst that could happen? And that's, I mean, I just kind of started posting about it one day and just became more open. I remember, so I recently just on a different note, made my, um, personal account private, but I had it public and I went, the first picture I posted, I posted like a hashtag with it. It was in Colorado. Okay. And that picture I've, which it's not even about likes for me or anything, but that picture did so well naturally on social media. I got like over a thousand likes and so many engagements with it. And that was like my first post on social media about like weed, coming which is out pretty cool. For weed. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of where my story started. So it's only, it's only been a year that I've really been more open to everyone about it. And like, I'll like fight people with like fight, argue with people about it too. <laughs> and the benefits. Mm-hmm. And I think you said something so interesting there as well when you said, you know, your sister said, don't do it because you won't be able to get corporate jobs. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is, this is where things are going. Yeah. Cannabis is completely legalized in Canada. So, like, it's the discrimination if you didn't let people have a job because they use cannabis, because it's a, it's a legal substance. Absolutely. And it's, and it's going that way in America as well. Yeah. So tell me, I think another, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I I think another thing to add too is, you know, we've, I think all three of us have made the decision that we want to find a career path in cannabis and bring our skill sets to the cannabis industry. So if my business doesn't work out, if my personal brand doesn't work out, I know for a fact I will always be working in the cannabis industry. Yeah, I 100% would have to agree with that because I feel so strongly the same way. Right. Yeah. And I'd say like going back to like the story part of how we were sharing um, where we all like stemmed from with it. I think for me, like using cannabis in the beginning was very like no one publicly knew about it, you know, Mm -hmm. but I would always like load bowls and stuff at home, but I started running the can. So the cannabis hangout (laughs) Instagram handle originated from me just posting like different memes and like educational stuff, like on the feed, like not even thinking that it would like be anything. And I was doing it mostly because before the law, the bill passed state question 788 here in Oklahoma for it being medicinal. I I knew it was happening. So like I had the account before the bill had passed, but I was just like 
educating people. I felt like I just like wanted people to like know. And I was like going and following like (laughs) a bunch of people from like my personal account, you know, (laughs) like just getting people who I knew to follow the cannabis hangout. Mm -hmm. And then like no one knew who was running it though, you know? And so (laughs) I, I just kept doing that. And then I think I don't even know what like brought the idea of like doing like a podcast and stuff. I just remember like coming up with like the name of it, like my sisters and a few of like friends, like we had all smoked at someone's house. It and, was, and, and we won't say who. Yeah, we were at <laughs> fam- a family member's house and um, we were just sitting there and like all stoned, but I was just like in my best creative <laughs> spot. And I was just thinking like, guys, what if like we were all just sitting you know, like we are now. And like, we just, we had a little mic somewhere and we're, we are literally, you know, like having like a cannabis conversation, like we're all just talking about weed here. And like, cause everything we were all saying was so funny Mm -hmm. and so creative. I was like, holy shit, we should be recording this. I just want to chime in and say, Brandon originally had said that we should do like YouTube type videos. And a lot of people like that were in the circle, they couldn't be open about it because of their careers and Brandon was like well we can just all wear masks or something and so that was the original idea (laughs) I was like we could all wear that's so funny yeah so funny because I made a little Instagram story the other day and I'm like I'm gonna do five challenges for 420 months and it's gonna be awesome and I'm gonna give people all my favorite cannabis goodies if they participate and post on their story and obviously, when I was thinking about this, I also was super based. So I like get on Canva. I'm like making all this graphics and everything. Posted on my story, and I posted like a little poll, being like, "Who wants to participate? Thumbs up, thumbs down." <laughs> and it was like a bunch of thumbs down. And I'm like, "Shit! Wait a second. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. I'm the only one that posts about themselves smoking weed on." Instagram. That's like, hilarious. It's not a popular thing. No, yeah, you were no, like your that I, yeah. you were yeah. your own hype person for it. Like you were just <laughs> I was so, so excited. Like, okay. But yeah, if you want to get into it, you can DM me. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Like that. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's awesome. But yeah, so that's just kind of like how I guess my public journey began and then Saba and I like just started one day just a pot I don't yeah, even remember just, where just, it came from just brainstormed hard I think we were just high and like we were just both like yo we're tired of being stuck like we're tired of just we were both I think just complaining about how we didn't in feel creative rut. and felt in a rut yeah. and then the idea of the podcast just kind of stemmed and we just took it and ran with yeah, it and I couldn't stand how against it like you know certain family members of mine mm-hmm. were or just people close to me you know like I'm such a, like a holistic, natural person as it is. And to know that like the cannabis plant is so healing and so many benefits to it. I just like really wanted to push to people that it's not bad. And so that mm-hmm. was kind of like, let's, let's show people yeah. and our faces just started mm-hmm. going on social media. Then I was like, shit, I am smoking a bowl on Instagram. And I never thought I would do that, but <laughs> I, I am know, here. Straight up. It's, it's crazy how once you come out with something that it's like your fears become your greatest assets once you kind of come out with them, you know, like yeah, yeah. if you do something that you're scared about and then you release it to the public, now your fear, it almost like empowers you, which is so weird. Mm-hmm. And like, it's all about just taking that initial step and then just kind of being like, all right, well, I said it. So nothing to be ashamed of here, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was very, very well put. Cause that's so true. Yeah, I feel so like. much confidence. Yeah. You just got to freaking run with it. Yeah. So um, I'm also a ginger, 
for your listen. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. The I listeners want to know. Your listeners. And I remember when I was young, I got super bullied for being a ginger because obviously, like, kick a ginger. Thank you so much for that, says Park. And then eventually I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a ginger. Kick me, you know? And then people <laughs> stopped bullying me about it because I'm like, fuck yeah. I you just owned like, it. handle girl. Like, I'm like, I'm going to own it. Yeah, and, and now you're like, look at me now because I'm yeah. killing it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, I Sorry, love go ahead with your question there. Um, well, I was going to kind of segue into, because I know you wanted to talk about um, the Canada industry versus like where the U.S. is at. And it's just, I just want to say how crazy it is that we're talking to you from Canada right now. So just want to touch on that really quick. <laughs> um, but like, I, we just like, because our listeners, I mean, I don't really even know, but like, when was it legalized? Is it just rec there? Is it medical? Yeah. Like, what's the, What's the market like there? Spill the beans. Yeah. Yeah, so cannabis has, um, the medicinal cannabis has been around for a little bit longer mm-hmm. and you've been able to get that through medical channels, but legal cannabis was, cannabis was legalized in Canada two years ago and on October 17th. Okay. So um, each province really had the opportunity. So a province is like a Canadian version of a state. Okay. Each province had the opportunity to um, figure out their own way to legalize it. So I can speak mostly on Ontario, which is where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And they did it in an interesting way. They decided they, obviously things are going online and, you know, people would prefer to buy things online than actually going to a store. Mm-hmm. So in order to kind of make it the landscape um, fair for business owners, but also for the kind of for the government to benefit it as well. The Ontario government took a monopoly on online cannabis sales. So we have this website, you can go on it. It's called OCS, Ontario Cannabis Store.ca. And it's literally where all of the licensed producers post their cannabis. And that includes edibles, that includes um, accessories, flour, oil, you name it. It's all there. That's so and cool. And you can order it from... It's, yeah, it's pretty dope. It's pretty dope. It's it's like any licensed producer in Ontario, you can get it from. And then uh, if you want to go into a store, then you can buy that. And that's usually a business owner who owns the store. And then they work with Health Canada who monitors everything. So Health Canada has like, um, it touches the cannabis industry and it's put in like really tough regulations to make sure that the cannabis that's getting into consumers' hands mm-hmm. are um, it's like as safe as possible. That's really so cool. That's why. Good. It, it, it is cool. It's really safe and awesome. It's super cool. But we get a little bit envious when we look into the states where you guys are coming out with creative campaigns and packages and yeah. you know everything's so beautiful and fun. Where we get this ugly little almost like prescription like bottle mm-hmm. with our cannabis in it you know like what's the fun in that not yeah. creative at all no yeah that's very interesting it's yeah. so crazy how different the markets are so testing and stuff is i'm i'm sure so we like all of our stuff requires full panel testing here is that the same case there i mean obviously you guys your regulations are probably a lot tighter since you've been in the game a little bit longer but i'm assuming things like that are definitely required there correct yeah yeah okay yeah so well, the uh, only people that can sell cannabis are uh, the only people that can like grow and sell cannabis are licensed producers, mm-hmm. and you have to get um, like you have to get like approved for that, mm-hmm. and it's pretty challenging to get that license, and it's really costly. 
So you're, what we're finding in Canada is like, it's like there's big companies, big licensed producers, and the little guys are almost kind of letting, getting left behind. So is it just medicinal there? Is that what you're saying? No. Oh, it's, no, rec- it's recreational and medicinal. Oh, okay. Because okay, it, it seems like just from the little bit you're saying, it seems like a little bit tighter law or something over there for it to be recreational. Because, you know, recreational, are you saying no one can grow their own like at home or anything? You can grow your own at home. Oh, but okay. You you couldn't like you couldn't have like a backyard um, and grow like twenty plants and then sell that plant to people like that's illegal. Got you it. have to be a licensed producer. Yeah. yeah. And then um, your weed, the cannabis that you grow, has to go through like the Health Ontario, I mean the Health Canada supply chain to make sure that it's packaged correctly, it's taxed all these little fine details before it gets into the hands of consumers. Okay. So it's like a more advanced OMMA is essentially what it yeah, is. They just, okay. They've been doing it longer, so they've had time to tailor it down. So as far as like medicine or like just on all cannabis there being affordable, I know here it kind of started off a little bit pricier, but we're seeing prices drop drastically. Is it something that like is affordable for people there? And is it considered like... Is it worked into your healthcare system there as like as an essential medicine type, you know, because here it's not like it's not covered by our insurances. Like it's we have to I mean, you have to be a special doctor to even be able to get a med or give a med card. But um, is it like that there? Is it like super incorporated with your healthcare system there? Yeah, that's a really great question. So um, we have like the recreational stream and then we have the medicinal stream and there's different types of cannabis that you can access based on um whether or not you uh, are prescribed a medicinal license. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are prescribed a medicinal license, you get like a couple of benefits. Like you can write it off of your tax, like as a tax benefit, but you can't, the government right now does not pay for your cannabis. So so people are still finding they have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. But the medicinal patients, they get stronger cannabis than what's what's legalized in our recreational market. Oh, wow. They also can carry cannabis with them, like a lot higher quantities. They can grow more plants. They can buy more than the average person. So if I go into a dispensary, I can only buy a maximum of 30 grams. And then I, I can't buy any more. Wow. That day. So really quickly. Tell that me, day from that store. Okay. So tell me this, as far as like dosages go for, because I know our dosages, obviously were medicinal, but I've seen like Corova bars go up to a thousand milligrams. Is even for medicinal, because I know REC is obviously, they probably cap it at like 100, because I know that's what Colorado, Seattle, um, California does. Way less. Way, Way less. less? Really? So what are you Way guys capping at? Less. So ours is at 10 milligrams per package. What? Per wow. What? Yeah. So, yeah. So you can get a chocolate bar with four pieces of chocolate. Oh, my and, gosh. Or no. With five pieces of chocolate, two milligrams each. I literally got full body chills because so, that just is so crazy. That's to me. like, is that the same for like medicinal and recreation? Like they're no, not they're different. Be higher, yeah. Okay, so the medicinal is still only ten. I don't. I I can't speak too much on the medicinal side of it because I don't have a um, prescription, so I just okay. buy it recreationally. Oh, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay. And I'm not sure if medicinal patients would get access to like edibles and like the fun things, like mm, or interesting. if they more if they're more likely to get like capsules and oils. Yeah, and I think yeah. our law here in Oklahoma is very lenient. It's so it's, it's probably of, the most lenient. It's of, kind of written out recreationally. I feel like I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of people could agree in the state of Oklahoma with that, like because. 
you know, we're also considered to be in the quote unquote Bible belt. And so for us to, whenever it, it came out and the law came out and you were reading what you were allowed to carry all and then all these fun things that you were allowed to buy, it was just kind of like, hmm, this is kind of recreational, but it's medicinal. So yeah. that's, that's a weird comparison. I guess the way also, the way that they, so I was lucky enough to go to the ribbon cutting ceremony to this big licensed producer that was releasing chocolate on the market. Mm-hmm. So they, and I was talking to somebody who worked for that company and they, they said, think about it like this, right? There's people that in Canada that have never really consumed cannabis before, right? And they have no interest in smoking it at all. They don't want to smoke. Mm-hmm. So what they want to do is they want to, maybe do an edible. They want to have a chocolate. They want to have a gummy. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to make sure when these new consumers are coming into cannabis that we're giving them a safe dosage so they can actually like build up instead of, you know, do too much. Cause we've all been way too high on edibles before yeah. and then get scared off of it and then think it's like the devil's plant. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's, um, more controlled. it's almost like, it's almost like they're doing, like a build up approach instead of like going bald to the wall um, and then taking things away. That's kind of cool. That's a really good way to put it, honestly, because I mean, somebody like me, I just acted so crazy when you said 10 milligrams. But when you say it like that, as a bud tender, I'm like, okay, well, that's that makes a lot of sense because I mean, there's probably three patients a day that I could talk to that they'd be like, oh, I've had the worst edible experience. I don't eat edibles. And that's yeah. really cool that it's like that. It's, you build up versus just, I mean, exactly what you said. Go balls yeah. to the walls crazy. That's really interesting. But then really for the people who need a higher yeah. milligram, they're like, I'm going to have to buy more to hit their 100 milligrams that their I body know. needs. Yeah, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, that like, long-time cannabis users that are, like, adjusting to this new reality struggle with that a bit, for sure. Yeah. Okay. I do find that it is, because it's all regulated and very strong, like, you got to think there's these massive facilities that are creating these edibles, right? Like they, they, they're creating like new types of science for the, with the way that they extract the cannabinoids. Mm-hmm. So uh, something like I usually, with the illegal stuff, when I was trying that, it would take me like 25 to 30 milligrams to feel something from an edible. And now 10 milligrams really packs its punch. So I'm finding okay. that it's a lot stronger than stuff that was not regulated. Okay, well, that, that makes a little more sense, I think. Yeah. That's really us. cool. Yeah, with yeah. it all. That's very interesting. Yeah. So transi- transitioning, Reagan, into like the cannabis community building, like finding your tribe, how we you mentioned earlier to me, and um, just how cannabis removes social barriers. How, what would you like? What would you want to hit on with that? And what do you? What are your thoughts? Okay. Well, obviously, cannabis is a substance that's been legalized for a really long time. And now it's coming to market and cannabis is pretty tricky. Like you must know this job is like a bud tender. There's a lot of science to know about cannabis. There's a lot of unknowns and there's a lot of big words associated with it as Mm -hmm. well. Like THC, like what does that mean? CBD, what does that mean? What are cannabinoids? What are terpenes? Why is there so many different types of cannabis? What's the difference between uh, medicinal? Like the list goes on, right? It's like, mm -hmm. it's really overwhelming. And it's almost like people that haven't been using cannabis before, they they can't be bothered with trying to learn all that stuff. Right. Um, and jump in. So what I'm finding a lot of companies are doing is with that insight, right? Knowing that it's going to, there's a lot to take in. They really went like the educational approach 
with their marketing tactics. So like, how can we educate people? How can we put the cannabis um, science into layman terms? So they're really trying to target new users. Mm-hmm. But I noticed in Canada, in, in Canada at least, what they were missing was targeting the people that have been using cannabis all along. Mm-hmm. The people that already know this stuff or you know have been using cannabis for 10 years and now they finally feel liberated that they can come forward with this person, like this aspect of themselves where they couldn't before. So kind of on that insight, we're like, well, what if we create a community where we connect women, mm-hmm. cannabis users, to talk about the plant and, you know, come to terms with the, this new reality that we're facing. So with that insight, Woman Who Weed was born. Okay. Yeah. Tell us about Woman Who Weed a little bit and how you founded that or what was your passion behind it? So my co-founder and I, um, we had this idea. Her name's Sarah Knowles, by the way. Um, we are like, okay, well, cannabis always really um, cultivates really good conversations, like what we were chatting about earlier. So what if we um, guided those conversations a little bit and we picked a book, probably on female empowerment, because why not? And we meet up, we all get high and we talk about the book. Yeah. That was our plan. Mm-hmm. So we posted about it on Meetup and within 24 hours, there was 250 people. What? That's so dope. Oh my God. I was like, holy shit. I can't do this in my living room anymore. Like this needs to be a legit event. That's so exciting. (laughs) That's so cool. So uh, we ended up hosting our very first book club event and there was about 50 women there and we made it work and people liked it and they wanted more. And so um, I'm like, as you know, I, I was, we were talking about at the beginning, I have an advertising background and I do personal branding. So marketing is really my jam. Mm-hmm. So when we, I had the idea to kind of turn this event into something legit, uh, my co-founder and I just jumped on it and we built a whole brand about it. That is awesome. That is so freaking cool that you guys do that. I wish we had a book club here like that. Like that is, that's the first, I remember when Brandon and I found you guys on Instagram, Brandon had sent me uh, your Instagram and I was like, holy shit, that is so cool. I wish we had that. And the first thing I said was, let's join. And then I saw it was Canada. I was like, oh, never mind. (laughs) Well, we're actually getting to the point now where we're opening up new chapters across the country and different cities. That's oh, awesome. That's really cool. Might have to hop <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> we can bring it to Oklahoma. Woman who we or woman who we, yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys were having events at the beginning, correct? Are you still? So we weren't We weren't doing the events. There is a lady here named Gina who runs um, Women in Weed. It's Dope Women in Weed. It's Dope Women in Weed. And she hosts events and it's, it's networking slash educational. So like she does, they do like partner with a bunch of sponsors, do giveaways and just really get into the community. But then they also have speakers come in and mm-hmm. just tell their stories. I mean, there's moms, there's doctors, there's lawyers. There's just so many different types of people. but so we do um, a networking event yeah it's a networking event and we do there for like we'll do photography for her so we do go to events we're not the ones that host them though oh okay okay yeah Yeah, but it's similar I mean it's not like doing a book club thing but like there's normally like 300 or so people who Mm -hmm. attend and like Tulsa Oklahoma and then Oklahoma City Um, but yeah that's incredible yeah wow yeah, she's such a, a boss. Yeah, and she's trying to like reach it out to other states as well. So she hustles with it. Yeah, it's tricky business. So what are you noticing about uh, 
the cannabis climate in the States right now? I shared a little bit about Canada. Are, are you finding it difficult to work with um, businesses from other states or is it pretty seamless if your state hasn't legalized? Are you good to go everywhere else? So it's, it's, oh, it's so, it's so weird here. I feel like it's so loose. So um, we have like brands are bringing in their product from other states. Like we have, I don't know if you've heard of Chiba Chews, Green Hornets, um, Timeless, Mary's Medicinal, some of the big names. But um, the ones that are in all like a majority of the rec states are starting to come to Oklahoma. I've read, I've like looked over the stuff and I think you have to like, the majority holder has to be from Oklahoma or, you know, the, all the logistical things. But um, I have to say it's, our market is still so new. We have so many amazing growers and processors, but there's also so many, it's so overly saturated that it's like finding a diamond in the rut type thing. Mm -hmm. If you really know your stuff. And so like on the dispensary side, from like my perspective, I probably meet with over 20 to 30 processors and growers a day minimum. And within that, there's probably one or two that I was like, holy shit, like they really stood out. Cause I mean, and I'm not saying this to be any sort of disrespectful or anything, but a lot of people just don't know what they're doing or they're just in it for the money. And that just kind of kills it for me and ruins it because it's, it's, I mean, it's an art really. Like this whole industry is an yeah, art. like the way you're taking care of your bud yeah. and like how you're growing it. It's, there's just yeah. so much to it. But these companies that are coming in from out of state, they've obviously had time to really tailor down their process mm-hmm. and really nail it in the head. And so... I find that their products are more consistent, more um, like if I eat one yesterday and I eat one three days from now, four months from now, it's going to be the same quality, same consistency, same flavor. I'm not going to have any issues. But I noticed with some of the, like the local stuff, like there's a one brand of edibles that I love. And I've noticed that within different batches, I've found different like potencies. And with one batch, I was eating Damn. 75 milligrams, but with the other batch, like 125 milligram, like really did me in. So there's just so many like inconsistencies, I feel like. So just as the regulations in, in Oklahoma, I can only speak for anyways, but as regulations in Oklahoma are starting to tighten up and our first round of taxes are coming up, I think a lot of people will kind of be um, like out of the game. But as far as like the whole like country goes... There's just, I mean, there's so many older people that are still running our country. I feel like it'll be a little bit before it's federally legal. But, but it's booming. But it, yeah, I was just, that, which was what I was about to follow up with. It is, they, I I know that they're seeing the cannabis industry booming and I know they see the money it's bringing in. Mm-hmm. Like within the first month, how much did we do? Like 2 million or something just within the yeah, first month of us, like that. of us being legalized, which is so huge. And ever since then, our numbers are just almost rising, I feel like. And mm-hmm. so I... Would I hope that within the next five to maybe 10 years, we see it federally legalized. Um, but honestly, I this is just a prediction. I could totally see Oklahoma going recreational in like two to three years. Yeah, I can see that too. Which is so crazy to even think about. But I mean, I think that's just kind of where we're at. And, you know, it's it's crazier to see so many of the older generation coming out of the woodworks. And it's like people you would never even think. Like I've seen people like literally suited up from top to bottom and you should never judge a book by its cover but I feel like with cannabis you like it's just kind of ingrained in you to kind of do that Mm -hmm. but it's really cool to see like all these different the older generation stepping out and being like yeah I smoke like yeah I love to take edibles yeah 500 milligrams of edibles you know these like old cute little ladies that like really go balls to the walls crazy so that's I feel like if nothing else like it's a really big generational gap between the old and the young 
to like bond over something and really connect because so many people came out of the woodworks to vote for our state question. Uh, And I honestly did not think it was going to get passed. And the fact that it did, like, I was like, holy shit, what? Like, I could not believe it. Mm -hmm. It just goes to show how many people use cannabis. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so true. Like it, people you would never even think, but it's just, it's such a healing plant that once you, once you get the education behind it, I feel like you really just kind of take it and run with it. But that's the big lack we're seeing right now is the education aspect. I feel like in any, like in any country, state, industry, it's all the same. There's such a big lack of education. That's why we're here. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That's why we're here to kind of help that. But yeah. That's, that's crazy. And I wonder if when things start to go, like if, if things do go recreational, like how many of those people that are coming knocking at your door were, are going to get excluded? Because that's something that's really happened in Canada. Mm-hmm. So Canada makes things legal and they have a lot of uh, regulations around like what makes you um, capable for being able to sell cannabis or not. So if you have any product that has cannabis in it, whether that be an edible, a body, like uh, like a skincare product, um, if it has THC, you have to have a specific license to be able to sell it to the public. So that put all the small entrepreneurs like that had bath bombs, like everything, you name it, out of business. Dang. So now there's this weird, yeah, it's, it's pretty unfortunate. So now there's this um, thing we call it in Canada, we call it the gray market. So it's um, the people that have been in the biz for a long time that are getting excluded because they haven't um, been able to get a legit business with um, the government. Mm -hmm. So, and they, and it's interesting because they almost like operate as themselves, right? So since they've been in the biz for so long, they continue buying from like the micro cultivators that, you know, that they've known for five years or they're Mm -hmm. still buying those bath bombs that you can't find at a store so it's, it's interesting and it's sad at the same time because those people have so much insight yes. into the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe someone who worked at a big company like Procter & Gamble or something left their nice marketing job to come into the cannabis industry because it was new and exciting, but hadn't smoked weed a day in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so, kind of not fair. You know, it's one of those... I don't really know. It's just there's a, there's the OGs behind it who've been doing it. And then, mm-hmm. like you said, someone who comes in like that wanting to like be in it because it's booming, not because it's like their true passion and that's their medicine. That's what gets them going, you know? Totally. I heard a podcast interview and they were inter- interviewing a CMO at a big cannabis company in the States. Mm-hmm. And he literally said this. He's like, well, I used to market Tide and I never did a laundry a day in my life. So what's the difference between Tide and cannabis? Oh my gosh. Like, okay. I'm like, one, that was super sexist. <laughs> Two, <laughs> I've never done laundry a day in my life. Like, okay. What? So your wife's been doing your laundry Yeah, thing? like what? And cannabis is not the same as doing laundry. <laughs> or yeah, laundry detergent. No. Like it's chemicals versus natural. Like I... that's so crazy Chemicals versus natural, like changing your body and your health versus like doing a household chore. Like, that's so crazy. That's like, a de- <laughs> that's almost like an offensive, degrading comment to the cannabis plant. <laughs> and, the fa- and the fact is, is that he had such a prestigious um, position. 
in a big cannabis company in the States. I'm like, I just stopped. I turned it off after that. I was like, I'm not listening to this guy. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, it makes you just not want to listen to him. I feel like that's so close-minded. Wow, that that brings me to think that. So in the email that we were going back and forth with Reagan, you said that um, networking for friendship instead of personal gains. And I think that's so cool because I just haven't heard it put like that. But I feel like it kind of ties into like what we're saying at the same time. Yeah, totally. I found, so before I started building Women Who Lead with my co-founder, I did a lot of event planning, but in the entrepreneurship space. Mm-hmm. And although um, the, that community was incredible, I felt that it was like a lot of handshaking and a lot of business card swapping and, you know, not necessarily making like lasting friendships. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, some people want to network for business purposes, but some people just want more friends. And it's okay to have an event where you're just having fun and you're not like getting a valuable insight from it. Yeah. Or you're not taking your notebook out and taking notes. Like sometimes you just want to hang out with people. Yeah, just and that social people, human connection. Totally. And that's really, uh, at least that's when I use cannabis, like I use it with friends or I use it to like chill out, right? Yeah. So we were like, how can we create a community where we're connecting women and they want to go, um, but it's not like, all about learning, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So at our events, you'll um, we don't just learn about cannabis. Like our events aren't just about cannabis. Like we discussed earlier, like mm-hmm. the book club, for example. Like you know, cannabis is around us and we're mm-hmm. using it, but it's not the center of the subject. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's like saying um, the way I like to put it is when you're drinking a glass of wine, do you like to talk about the different uh, grapes that it was gr- like? It was comprised of, you know, or the type of barrels it was aged in, or you just want to drink a glass of wine and chill with your friends, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a really good way to put it. It is. I like that. (laughs) It's really refreshing. Yeah. Um, So Reagan, tell us, is there anything else you would like to say to our listeners before we end this episode? Yeah, absolutely. Um, If you're interested in starting a cannabis community in your city, check out womanwhoweedclub.com and we can chat. You can also find us on Instagram at womanwhoweed or you can follow me at it's Reagan Bradley. Reagan's a really good follow. She's always (laughs) posting some dope social media tips. You also for real go follow, (laughs) go follow Reagan, go follow women who weed. They're doing really dope stuff. Um, Reagan, I just, we both just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be on with us. We appreciate you and all of your insight, all the knowledge you got to share and just like awesome conversation that flowed so easily with you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I've been listening to your podcast. I'm like, I want to talk to these girls. It's time. Uh, I love it. We get off the DMs. Yes, yes, I, I love the it. The next move is us coming to see you in Canada at some point. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Absolutely. I'll give you the best weed tour. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, you, you already know we're, we're here for that. Oh, well, thank you so much, Reagan. And guys, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Cannabis Hangout. And we'll catch you guys next time. Stay medicated. Thanks for listening to today's show. 
To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.